This week's episode is brought to you by Fairy Godmother Travel. Contact them at CommunicorWeekly at FairyGodmotherTravel.com to help you book an amazing Disney vacation. Again, that's CommunicorWeekly at FairyGodmotherTravel.com. Welcome to CommuniCore Weekly, the greatest online show and home of the world's first pair of independently born identical twins. I'm George. And I'm Jeff. And this is going to be our last holiday episode ever. And let me tell you, it was pretty difficult to find more information about a holiday-themed theme park. We yes. basically covered them all at yes. this point. Yes, we have. And, and the holiday books are running kind of thin. And Yeah. That's know, know what the killer was last year when we did like four theme parks and yeah. one history segment? That and I, we should have split it up. We sh- I sh- we should have thought ahead, and obviously it did did not happen. Yeah, but we assumed at that point instead of Avatar Land, Animal Kingdom would have opened Christmas Land or Holiday that, Land. You know, true, true. That seems like more of a Hollywood studio place, but who knows? That it could, uh, that's true. That's true. Somebody would have opened it, but yeah, regardless. Yeah. Um, and just as a reminder, we have about we have two episodes left right now, but uh, you have about a week and a half left to give us a call on the Community Weekly Goat line to leave a voicemail. We have about I'm going to say somewhere I'm going to it's over fifty. I know that, so I have to narrow wow. them down. But by all means, call in, leave us a voicemail at four two four seven eight five four six two eight, and uh, we'll maybe we'll play your message. But yeah, we'll just have to we'll have to go through them before we record the final episode. Um, but let's let's learn about some holiday stuff, George. Yay. It's time for Theme Park History! In 1958, Santa's Village was created in the wooded hills of the Santa Cruz Mountains. Now this Christmas wonderland serves thousands of park visitors each year with its holiday cheer. The city known as Scotts Valley today was once the fertile valley of the 4,400 plus acre ranch known as the Rancho San Augustine. San Augustine, I'm sorry. And it was from this ranch's humble beginnings that Santa's Village came to be. The land that supported Santa's Village has its own rich history, but the village was established on June 13, 1955, when legal documents were drawn up for the sale of Law Ridge Farm, which was a portion of the former Rancho San Augustine. From the Law Ridge Farm estate came the leasing of the 25 acres that would house the new Santa v- Santa's Village theme park. So the lease was to H. Glenn Holland, who was a Southern California developer, and the Holland Corporation in general. Holland had already developed a Santa's Village uh, earlier in 1955 near Lake Arrowhead in San Bernardino County. Now, the Santa's Village in Scotts Valley was to be his second one, and then he would also go on to develop a third Santa's Village near Chicago in uh, Dundee, Illinois, which actually is still in operation today. Santa's Village Sky Forest Scotts Valley officially opened for business on May 30th, 1957. Sky Forest was the location that Glen Holland had originally used for his Lake Arrowhead locations, but soon the name found itself attached to the Scotts Valley location as well. 
the official first Santa Claus of Santa's Village, Scotts Valley, which really is a mouthful, mm -hmm. um, was Carl Hansen, a native of Denmark. Now, Hansen relocated from his home in San Bernardino when he was offered the job of Santa Claus for the new Scotts Valley theme park. And Hansen occupied the red Santa suit for about eight years before leaving for a starring role in the TV show Hocus Pocus. Not the film with yeah. Bette Midler, but the TV show. Richard Bellack, who owned the actual rides, was the first resident manager until 1958, when Bruce Prather came uh, and took over the management of the park. Residents of Santa's Village included Santa and Mrs. Claus, their elves and gnomes, who operated the rides and sold tickets. There was a baby petting zoo. And if you kind of stop there, that's funny. Yeah, that's it. Is, are you petting a babies? A baby petting zoo. Or is it just for babies to pet? Uh, anyway. That baby's adorable. <laughs> let's so pet it. Let's pet it all. There was a baby petting zoo filled with goats, sheep, bunnies, ducks, deer, and a Mexican burro. Children could feed the animals green feed pellets that they purchased from dispensing machines. Four reindeer from Alaska pulled Santa's sleigh. There was a bobsled ride, a whirling Christmas tree ride, and a miniature Santa's, Santa's Express train ride. And other attractions included a giant jack-in-the-box, uh, an Alice in Wonderland maze, Santa's enormous bolt, uh, boot, brightly painted cement mushrooms, and a Queen of Hearts figure, which were all part of the fairy tale land portion of the park. Painted mushrooms. Why? I, 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 I have no idea. That's okay. Uh, yeah, okay. So, all the buildings were designed to look like log, chalet-type structures, replete with snowy roofs and gingerbread trim. The park had a gingerbread house, an elf toy factory, a lollipop tree, and brightly colored gift shops. Around the village were treetop, tall wooden soldiers, and candy canes. Santa himself had a huge mailbox to accept all the letters from children around the world. Mrs. Claus had her own kitchen, where hamburgers, hot dogs, and steak sandwiches were served, because those are the essentials of the of North Pole. Christmas food, yes. Yes, exactly. Uh, there was an egg-shaped cottage and a shoe house, which were open for children's exploration and for their imaginations. There was also a hook-and-ladder fire engine and a tractor to climb on, and a treehouse with a connecting slide for children to enjoy. Yeah, I never got to climb on a tractor when I was a kid. Jeez. You clearly didn't go there. No. Okay, so creatures, creatures from Alice in Wonderland, uh, Jack Pumpkinhead, the Easter Bunny, Little Bo Peep, and a good witch wandered throughout the grounds greeting youngsters. Theme-appropriate music flowed from speakers in the trees. In its original splendor amidst the backdrop of towering redwoods, the pristinely clean Santa's Village of Scotts Valley was an inviting fairy tale theme park for all ages. In 1966, the Holland Corporation offered up Santa's Village of Scotts Valley for sale less than 10 years after its opening. Santa Clara County developer Norindo Biliwala purchased the Santa's Village property from the Holland Co Corporation on August 22, 1966. And then B Biliwala continued to lease the property to uh, Santa's Village Corporation after that. In 1977, after the Santa's Village Corporation had filed for bankruptcy, Biliwala bought the whole of Santa's Village for $615,000, speculating that he could build a more attractive theme park there. The city of Scotts Valley rejected Billawalla's plan to create a Knott's Berry Farm-type complex, which would have included a hotel, a shopping center, and rides. 
In 1978, Billawalla changed the park's name to simply The Village and promoted it as an arts and crafts fair, but it failed to bring in the finances necessary to continue, and in 1979, the park's gates were finally closed. The city of Scotts Valley required the park to be brought up to current building code specifications, and the land zoning was changed from commercial to residential for the back 100 plus acres of the property. In that year, there were heavy rains during the park's peak season of November and December, coupled with the political uh, bureaucracy of the city of Scotts Valley, and it proved to be the death knell for Santa's Village. As their last surviving theme park in Scotts Valley, the closing of Santa's Village marked the end of an era. So, uh, backing up just a little bit, we'd also like to talk about the other Santa's Village that we mentioned, uh, which was also a winter-themed amusement park in the Skyfar section of Lake Arrowhead, California. Uh, so that one opened in 1955, and it was the first franchise amusement park, uh, and it was the first one of three built by the developer Glen Holland, uh, Holland, like we said before. And the other one was located in East Dundee, Illinois. The East Dundee Park uh, reopened in 2011 under new ownership as Santa's Village, a zoo sm- uh, Santa's Village Azusement Park. <laughs> wow. Sure. Exactly. But this Santa's Village opened more than a month before Disneyland and at 220 acres was one of Southern California's biggest tourist attractions. So it boasted kiddie rides, uh, including a bobsled, a monorail, and a Ferris wheel. Uh, sound familiar? Mm. Um, a petting zoo, live reindeer, and shops that included a bakery. Uh, there was also a candy kitchen and a toy shop. But reduced attendance uh, rev- and revenue shortfalls caused the park to close on March 1st, 1988. And the property sold three years later for $5.6 million, and it kind of serves as a staging area for local logging operations for a while. The faded candy cane signpost in dilapidated buildings became a ghost town along the rim of the World Highway. However, in June of 2014, the park was sold to a new owner who planned to operate it as a year-round tourist destination called Sky Park at Santa's Village. So, following extensive renovations, it opened, I'm sorry, it reopened on December 2nd, 2016. Uh, the park is open in kind of a limited capacity for this season, but the owners hope to open it year-round again with a massive overhaul and tons of new things to do, and uh, I've been hearing some good things from folks that visited so far. I really want to go check it out. It's kind of like right up my alley, the whole kitsy, uh, you know, almost roadside attraction thing. Yeah, yeah, sort of, uh, well, not quite the Halloween aspect of it, but maybe no, no. you can pretend you're Jack Skellington. Hey, I'm down for that. You can walk around What's and go, this? What's this? What's, What's this? this? Oh, boy, okay. We should move on. He's a nerd, he's a geek, but we all like to hear him speak. So listen up to the words from his speech. It's George's Book of the Week. This week's book is Santa's Toy Shop, a little golden book by Al Dempster and Monique Peterson. And of course, Al Dempster should be a very familiar name to most Communicore cadets, being one of the, uh, not the nine old men, but again, an animator from Disney's uh, from the, the Disney Studios. But this little golden book is a retelling of the Silly Symphony's cartoon, Santa's Workshop, from 1932. And apparently, there was a, another little golden book version released in 1950, and this book uses the same illustrations, but a completely different story. So here's the blurb from the current book. It says, inspired by a 1932 Walt Disney Silly Symphony animated short, 
The Santa's Toy Shop Little Golden Book was originally published in 1950. In this delightful story, Santa wants time to play with all the wonderful toys he and the elves have made, but he's just too busy, until Mrs. Claus gives him an idea. And in this case, Disney animator Al Dempster and the Walt Disney Studio artist created a holiday classic that they reissued as a little golden book for the first time in over 20 years. So if you look at the actual film, the Silly Symphonies film, it's slightly different. And that's one of my complaints about the book, too, but we'll get to that at the end. So the synopsis of the film. Uh, Santa and his gnomes sing and prepare for their journey on Christmas Eve. While Santa reads his mail, helpers polish up his sleigh and groom the reindeer. Um, Others operate quaint machinery in Santa's toy factory, whistling while they work, assembling and painting the toys on the assembly line. Santa works on the mama dolls, and a cluster of other toys march themselves into Santa's bag. Packed and ready to go, Santa flies off on his sleigh. So apparently they used, uh, I think it was 16 illustrations from the original Little Golden Book and just wrote a brand new story and totally disregarded the original 1950 work and the Silly Symphony that it was based on. So, you know, uh, of course the illustrations are gorgeous. It's a beautiful book like all the Little Golden Books are, but I might want to actually hunt down the 1950 version if I were you instead of getting the new version just because it's a little bit more... Uh, true or all, uh, true to the Silly Symphonies, uh, Santa's Workshop from 1932. So this week's book is the Little or Santa's Toy Shop, a little golden book by Al Dempster. You don't know what you know till we know you. Too. Know, you just don't know. Here's one little fact we bet you didn't. One little fact we bet you didn't know. Here are a bunch of holiday facts from both Walt Disney World and the Disneyland Resort. There are an astonishing 1,300 decorated trees throughout Walt Disney World. It takes 150 semi-trailer truckloads full of decorations to decorate 24 resorts, four theme parks, downtown Disney, and other Disney parks locations. 15 miles of garland are strung, and 1,314 wreaths are hung throughout Walt Disney World. There are 300,000 yards of ribbon and bows hung on Christmas trees throughout the property. 8.5 million lights light up the Walt Disney World Resort, which is almost as many as the cadets that we have. Basically. Yep. And 98% of the lighting used for the holiday decor is LED, and only 2% is compact fluorescent. And the 70-foot tall tree in Disney's Contemporary Resort entrance lobby features nearly 35,800 white LED lights. Now you head over to the other side of the country. On just Main Street USA alone at Disneyland, there are 7,410 total feet of ribbon used to make the 812 bows, and that's 1.4 miles of ribbon. Uh, There's also 2,365 ornaments on the Christmas tree on Main Street. There is 79,000 ornaments all throughout Main Street. There is 2,015 feet of garland uh, to help set the holiday tone on Main Street, and there is 10,395 lights to make everything sparkle and just seem a little bit brighter for the holiday season. And now we ho-ho-hoed you. Sometimes you might see it, sometimes you don't. Hey, look, what's that? It's a five-legged goat. 
So at Blizzard Beach at Walt Disney World, uh, the water park, they play uh, a half and a half sample of summertime tunes and Christmas ditties for the park's soundtrack. So you can hear Deo by Harry Belafonte, followed up by uh, Joy to the World by Three Dog Night. However, during the holiday season, the tunes are slightly skewed with many more Christmas carols being played more often than all the others. And this is because they claim the ski resort's former soundtrack is still on a loop, so the Christmas tunes just kick in automatically during the holiday season. I don't know if I believe that, but uh, sure, let's let's go with that little bit of storytelling that they have there. Yeah, a- any backstory is a good backstory. Yeah, sure. Sure, we'll go with that. And yeah, there's no way to do a, a, a nice uh, segue with the Year of a Million or So Limited Time Cadets on that one. Because I wasn't going to say we're going to half give away a prize because yeah because we're going to give we're we're always full prize full full on prize exactly yes. um, so uh, there's still I think at this point when you hear this potentially two episodes left there that, will be two episodes left yes yeah, so still a chance to win one of you know two prizes for the year of a million or so limited time cadets weekly prize giveaway just have to email us at communicorweekly at gmail.com with your name and address so we can add you to the list of potential prize winners hey yes. getting close And this week's prize pack is a wonderful prize pack from Fairy Godmother Travel, Teresa Corey, and all of the Fairy Godmothers over there. And the prize winner is Brittany B. from Spanish Fork, Utah. Hooray! Congrats! Very excited, Brittany. So send us a photo so we can post it on all the social media with you and your wonderful Fairy Godmother prize pack. Yes. That's a lot. Wow. Okay, so thank you guys so much for watching and listening to another episode of Communicore Weekly. Yeah, however you get the show, whether it's on iTunes or YouTube, leave us a comment, leave us a rating. We'd love to hear from you. Exactly. And email us at communicoreweekly at gmail.com to enter the contest to say what's up or give us your fond farewell. You can also like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash communicoreweekly. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Periscope. I'm at Imaginerding. He's at Jeff Heimbuck. You can also call the Communicore Weekly GOAT line at 424-785-4628. And visit the Communicore store at the website to pick up some awesome Communicore Weekly t-shirts. Uh, you can still get your official cadet membership card, and actually, I ran out of stickers during the Communicore Cruise. <gasps> uh, so your cards at a Communicore Weekly, P.O. Box 432, Orange, California, 92856. Plus, I mean, you sort of get, like, Jeff's handwriting back in a little bit, yeah, too, right? Yeah, kind of, sort of. That's kind of cool. Okay. And make sure you visit patreon.com slash Weekly to see how you can support the greatest online show. For Jeff Heimbuck, I'm George Taylor. And for George Taylor, I'm Jeff Heimbuck. Thanks so much for listening, guys and gals. We'll see you next time on Communicore Weekly, the greatest online show. Oil.